0: Welcome to the Critical Conversations podcast. My name is Brianna Riesing, and I'm a critical care nurse with a true passion for preventative health. I've seen firsthand the impact that poor diet and lifestyle choices can have on us long term. So with each episode, we'll dive deeper into the realities of our healthcare system, what preventative health truly entails, and what you can do about it. Everything's overcomplicated. Our mm-hmm. lives, our clothes, our food. Like, it's all confusing. It's overcomplicated. It's and overcomplicated. Unnecessary.
1: And I think a big thing that I always remind people is you do not have to become a chemist or an expert in everything. But you do have to build an awareness or consciousness of what you are allowing into your home like someone else is not going to do it for you we want people to do it for us right yeah
0: the house is the only environment you truly have control over Mm -hmm. for the most part there might be other people in your house whether they're roommates or your significant other or even a friend like that might not fully agree with you so we don't even have full control all the time with what we're bringing into our house but we can do the Create the most change within our own
1: controlled environment. Yeah, within our own space, the power. (laughs) (laughs) It's true, though. though. (laughs) And be proud of the changes that you're making. I think that's key too, because if you just focus on what you haven't been able to achieve. Which a lot of my clients focus just on that. The overwhelm is so real. And then the overwhelm just becomes so real. And then you're putting yourself into such a stress response. That's creating its own health issues (laughs) in and of itself. So you're working on your health, but you're stressing yourself out. By working on your health, and then you're just going to be chasing your tail completely. Which is why you always have to take a step back and get perspective of what can I do? I am trying. I'm putting effort in. And that's what really counts.
0: And that's why you're here. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Welcome back. This is Bree, and you hear Jennifer, on the other side here, Jennifer Clot. She's a registered dietitian, holistic nutritionist, and she is an expert in all things hormones and fertility, infertility, and food allergies and sensitivities and the toxins that are affecting our health in our environment and in our food. So expanding from the conversation that we had last week with Heather in episode 17, we're bringing in the health expert herself <laughs> to dive into the health impacts that are clothes that we talked about, and the plastic exposures, and the hormone disruptors,
1: mm-hmm. and how it's affecting us all together. It's affecting us so much. Yeah. So thanks for having me back. Yeah. Hello, everyone. <laughs> I'm excited to talk about this because I think it's a really empowering topic. Um, so I want to start the conversation with saying... Uh, Don't freak out. Don't get scared. Um, You know, we're going to be talking about some heavy topics, I would say. Um, You know, heavy symptoms or even disease states. But that doesn't mean that there is not a way that you can take your power back and that you can use the information that we're talking about to change your life and change your health.
0: Yeah, I mean, the information can overwhelm you and scare you and make you feel like you can't do anything right. Mm -hmm. We've all been there. I've been there. You've been there. It's all part of the learning curve because you're suddenly becoming aware of something you've never thought about before. Yes. And as humans, we tend to go on the, like, the negative side first before we're able to see the positive, And that's why we're expanding this conversation. It's why information is truly power. And empowering yourself with the information we're sharing just allows you to make better choices down the line. Yes. So where should we start? Should Plastic. We- Plastic. Well, yeah, <laughs> Heather
1: was talking all about microfibers, yeah. which are you know a growing issue. It could be a really big issue. It sounds but- like it's a bigger issue than straws.
0: Yes. <laughs> Um, I'm, like, I've am like, i been so focused on trying to minimize my straw use. I have stainless steel straws in I, my kitchen. I've never even really been a big straw person at home. Uh-huh. But when I'm out, if I'm at a restaurant and they give me a straw and it's still in a wrapper, I typically hand it back. Yep. Not to be Way rude. Way to go. Not to be rude, <laughs> but just to kind of bring awareness to be like, you know what? I don't really need this. And if enough people give it back to you, maybe you'll stop handing them out yes. to every table and creating that waste. Mm-hmm. But I was never really aware that the microfibers and the plastics in my clothing and the chemicals in my clothing were really absorbing through my skin and potentially causing more harm than yeah. that plastic straw I used to drink through.
1: I think the hard part about it is even with the microplastic piece of things, it's it was bad enough, in my in my opinion, as far as when you look at, at a holistic approach to wellness, which is what I really do in my practice, um you have to take into account things that you've never thought about. Like, so we love to stick to the calories in versus calories out equation and live in a happy place. Of if that's all we focus on and that's all we do, we're going to be healthy, thriving, happy individuals. That's bullshit. And it's it <laughs> is. And um, my entire, you know, first meeting with most people is explaining how they are being. Um, sabotaged and shamed and feeling stressed and losing their minds over an equation that should be debunked and it, it has completely mostly in my opinion been debunked mm, but depending on who you talk but to. it depends on who you talk yeah. to and I think a really good example of this well a few actually just to point out that the glaring issues with calories in versus calories out um, people who get c-diff If it's really bad, which C. diff means that you have uncontrollable loose stools, it's not a fun condition. And severe bacteria. It's severe, yes. And um, you do a what's called a stool transplant. So you take stool from a healthy individual and you put it in the person who's having the C. diff. Um, There has been, you know, singular research studies, so basically um, case studies, where, so example, one woman who got a terrible case of C. diff was a marathon runner. And um, she was thin, she's been thin all of her life, and she had to get a stool transplant. And she did it. And within three months of that transplant, she had gained over 25 pounds, changing nothing in her diet, still running the same amount of miles that she ran on the daily, Mm -hmm. her lifestyle being 100% the same, besides getting stool from someone that they then went back after she started having these massive weight gain issues Mm -hmm. where she was freaking out. She's like, I'm not changing anything. Nothing's different. Nothing's different. They were worried about cancer, you know, things that can turn on such a strong metabolic process like that. And they went back and they found out that the, the donated stool actually came from someone that medically would be considered obese. Interesting. And there is a lot of case studies like this. So just on the the microbiome level. level yeah and what we're finding how that can affect the metabolic processes of the body just right there if you're someone who's like i don't understand i'm i'm doing this equation and it's not working that is just one example and i have probably hundreds yeah. of how that equation doesn't really apply and you can spin yourself into a complete stress state yeah I And mean, i think we have for
0: so long looked at calories and calories out because mm-hmm. that's a a big thing that we can see, touch, and feel, mm-hmm. and have totally disregarded the fact that bacteria in our system and the way our hormones are reacting to the things we're getting exposed to. Yes, yeah. and that's a big
1: thing about creating
0: today. health imbalances. So, I need to just put in a little disclaimer here. I think it's hilarious. It is November 2nd. We are recording episode 16 with Bridget has not released yet, according to Jen in this timeline. Uh Within minutes of that episode, our other functional nutritionist who's on this podcast immediately started talking about fecal transplants. Mm -hmm. The power of the microbiome is real and the way it's creating imbalances in our health is powerful. And I think it's hilarious that both of them, within minutes of talking about any health issues, completely different from each other, Mm -hmm. are going back to the same solution. So I'm not recommending that everyone go out and get a fecal transplant. But (laughs) what we're talking about in this conversation is looking at things that you are being exposed to on a daily basis that could be causing imbalances in your gut health, in your microbiome, in the bacteria that's in your body, and the hormones in your body. And looking at the picture from a different perspective than just the larger calories in calories out that
1: used to be the old way of doing things. I could not have said it better. And that's really funny because I have not heard Bridget's episode. When you started talking about people's transplants. (laughs) I'm (laughs) probably Look at us. We have no fear Here's of talking about poop. No, we are going to normalize poop we in the Critical Conversations poop. podcast. If you, <laughs> if you know me really well, my sister Heather laughs about this all the time. I have no shame about talking about poop because it's so essential. We shouldn't have shame talking no, about No, and it. we shouldn't. And my clients are, at first are really surprised at the specific questions that I ask them. About their poop, but you have to be looking at your. It's huge. Yeah. We need to do a podcast we on will. just looking at your poop <laughs> <laughs> and why it matters.
0: Laura yeah. and I tried to touch on it and we started that conversation, but I can tell between you and Bridget, this is going to go much deeper. Yeah, because in here's the episodes. funny thing.
1: Um, one of the things with endocrine disruptors and what we are talking about today, one of the big solutions to it is making sure that you're having a bowel movement every day. Yeah. Because this is how you get them out. Get rid of waste. Yeah, you get rid of waste. Yeah. And so if you're not having a bowel movement every day, you are definitely increasing the risk that these are affecting you more than someone else who is having a bowel movement every day. So yay, I just jumped right in there with the poops <laughs> conversation.
0: <laughs> it's really funny to me.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um. So let's
0: get into plastics and the way they're affecting our body and the balance within our bodies and what you've experienced in your practice of why you also agree that it's just just as important as Heather was talking about previously and just give us that deeper understanding of why we need to become more aware of these changes.
1: Yeah, the environmental, basically the chemical load that we are being exposed to, I think is a really important conversation because um, we're just going to see more and more of the effects of it. And for the listeners listening right now, Um, Simply put, if you answer yes to any of these things that I'm gonna list, um, there's a strong chance that you're going to feel better and be impacted by becoming aware of endocrine disruptors and how they are affecting your body. So one of the big ones, acne. This can be a big reason why um, people are getting acne. If you're having symptoms of depression, endometriosis, fibroid problems, cysts, um, infertility, PCOS, PCOS, which is up to ten percent now wow. in the U.S., which it's just rapidly growing. Yeah. Um, one in six women are having fertility problems now, and this is a big component of it. And if you come and see me for infer- infertility, this is one of the big things we tackle, especially if other things have been addressed, where you know you're eating well, um, you think you are eating enough fat in your diet, um, you think nutritionally you know that's all up to board but there's things genetically that could be going on but also just the chemical load and what it does to the hormones can be such a big impact and when you say this what are you referring to so your exposure to plastics um your exposure to eat just the environment in general just all environmental toxins that are disrupting our hormone balance Yeah, yeah And so, but what you can control is what you're bringing into your home. So while we could talk all about the water contamination and the air contamination, which is what most people think about when they hear, right. oh, there's environmental chemicals, mm-hmm. the pollution that we are Cleaning products. Yeah. That's yep. a big one. That can be a whole other episode. Yeah. A whole other episode <laughs> because it's, a, you know, each one of these things can be like, you know, just your makeup or plastics in your kitchen or, um, cleaning products, uh, all of them can be an episode all in of themselves yeah. because they are, you know, an important part of your life Right, and they can be hard. It can feel hard to change them. Right.
0: They're all small exposures. Individually, they mm. don't seem like that big of a deal. Yes. And then when you bring them all together and add them up and the potential damage
1: they could be causing. And I what. think that's a big thing with the research that is really concerning um, the research that has been done on some of the endocrine disruptors, but I think a big thing that I do want to mention there is a subclass of endocrine disruptors that are called obesogens, which I did mention in the first, th- episode. first episode. Yeah, um, and they're called this because specifically they really cause um, weight gain, and they cause disruption in your hunger and fullness cues. They can actually make you want to eat more, um, and they just change. Um, metabolically how your body is storing fat, which is why they're that subclass called obesogens. Obesogens. And these are specifically related to plastics that we're being exposed to? Everyone knows you have endocrine disruptors which there are becoming numerous. Right. The last I checked there was over 50 I think the number is escalating as far as just the sheer number of chemicals that we're exposed to is in the 100,000s and we're not specifically studying them all to see if they are endocrine disruptors. And we
0: don't know when they're combined in certain concentrations what they then are doing in themselves. Right now they're all being
1: studied individually in tolerable doses. Yes. People like me or even researchers who are deeply concerned about this are saying we have to create basically a chemical soup that we are you know testing on animals because that's the, f- the first place you have to start because we are testing chemicals but it has to be in combination because like they when they test umbilical cord blood the average number of chemicals inside that at birth is 235. Wow. And that's you know in a what we would call more of a sterile environment right right technically they should be right. really protected. And so when people just look at things singularly, that's when you run into problems because what we are dealing with, I think, just overall with all of the health stuff that we are seeing is, you know, we're getting hit from food that's being manipulated and right. actually has endocrine disruptors in right. it. From the packaging and the way it's From the packaging and, the and then high fructose corn and syrup and is considered an endocrine disruptor. High fructose corn syrup. It is, and it is classified as an obesogen. So just that alone is disrupting your hormones. Wow. Just that. And then this is not even talking about what's in the water, what's in the air, yeah. and then what we're talking about today. With plastics. What could be in your plastics, like in the, the food products you're buying that's in plastic, but even cleaning products that are in plastic and then the chemicals that are in cleaning products yeah. and then your makeup that has chemicals in it and then the the load that just starts to be put on our bodies. Right, It's just astronomical.
0: That's really interesting to me because high fructose corn syrup, for people that are at least beginning to dive into information in the health and wellness space, like high fructose corn syrup, most people have heard of. Mm -hmm. It's processed down from a large corn crop to create a chemical sweetener in a sense that's cheap and easily used. Most people in the health and wellness space that have started to learn about their food have decided to avoid high fructose corn syrup altogether. I know when I personally learned about it, I started paying attention to it in my food and wouldn't eat it or would find a better solution for the product that didn't contain it. Mm -hmm. And if you're saying plastics are considered obesogens, just like high fructose corn syrup is considered obesogens, we need to be having that larger conversation as well. Where Mm -hmm. are we getting these exposures from and what are the solutions to avoid them, like Heather was talking about with the guppy bag and things that you can do to decrease microfibers in our water. Mm-hmm. But then also paying attention to the clothing that's absorbing through your skin and the water bottles you're drinking out of.
1: Mm-hmm. Like it's all connected. It's all connected. <laughs> and But I will have solutions. There are simple things that you can start doing. It, the biggest one, we keep mentioning it, yeah. changing out your water bottle. Yeah. Um. Even plastic water bottles that are labeled PPA-free, those can actually be worse because those chemicals haven't even been tested yeah. or studied. From my
0: understanding with BPA, it's the chemical that they're pulling from all of the products on the shelves because customers are asking for it and people stop buying it, but they're still selling plastic water bottles yes. that are labeled BPA-free, and
1: yet, what did they replace it with? Right. <laughs> you hit the nail on the head. Because the, I think the big thing that is a problem in this area is that how we handle chemicals is that it's only pulled or considered a problem after it's become a problem. So where we've, we have direct connection with people becoming sick or it's causing cancer, mm-hmm. like asbestos being the, the top example right. of that. And it's still not banned completely in the United States. And this is a known carcinogen. Right. It, it's known to cause cancer. All other westernized countries have banned it. So Canada, Australia, the, you know, Europe, um, they saw this research and they were like, we need to get rid of this. Mm-hmm. And most of them have had this banned since the 90s. And this is still not banned in America. We're still holding on to it. We're still holding on to certain subsets of it. So some of it has been banned, but it is still being used. And that's part of the problem because the EPA is who's responsible for this, the Environmental Protection Agency. And their hands are tied, honestly, because they tried really hard to get asbestos banned. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And they weren't even able to ban something that is known to cause cancer.
0: Mesothelioma. Yeah.
1: It's a huge health issue. It's a huge health issue. And so in a way, they kind of threw up their hands and they're like, fine. Plus, they are limited in how many chemicals they can test at a time. Um, There's lots of rules and regulations with that. And that has not been updated in over 40 years of how they can handle these things. And so it's a growing problem. So we've released about 85,000 chemicals onto the market that have not been tested for human consumption and have not been tested in human consumption together. And so that is when, when, when someone's like, oh, you know, I think you're making a big deal about this. When you really look at the research, you know, for, say, phthalates, for instance, which is another endocrine disruptor and right. falls under the obesogen cat- category, they can say, well, it's only been tied to, you know, causing what appears to be mel- metabolic issues
0: you know it, it looks like it might be doing this which is a huge issue in our country
1: right it's and so metabolic growing, issues are a big problem yeah, right? diabetes obesity yes yeah, all of that. exactly yeah. but because it cannot be you know uh, you know directly correlated and hardcore it's like oh let's take a soft stance yeah. on this but i think what makes me passionate about this um, topic is that the effects of these things are actually worse and affect the young the most. So you are going to get t- um, twice the issues in young babies, small children, and in pregnant women because of just… The that. concentration that they're absorbing? Or? Yes, because babies have more fat, Got first it. of all. So they're going to tend to hold on to chemicals. They don't really have the ability to um, get rid of them the way that we do as an adult… Um, but, uh, it also will affect the genes. Like they're showing research where if, um, say your grandfather was exposed to an endocrine disruptor, let's just make it, um, BPA at a high amount, it actually can change his DNA, his genetics that then is passed down to the next generation, which is then passed down to the next generation. To be more susceptible to exposures. Yes. To be, to have metabolic issues, because it's changing um, you on a metabolic level at the DNA level. So you're not going to metabolize fat as well as your grandfather did. You're you're not going to have hunger and satiety cues as good as your grandfather did. You're um, not going to potentially be able to lose weight as easily as other people. And we're definitely seeing these things today. Yeah. And those are things that can get
0: overwhelming because you can't control what your grandfather was exposed to. Correct.
1: And (laughs) And just to think
0: about that, that's one of those moments where it's like, well, screw it. It's all out of my control. I don't have power over anything. I might as well just eat whatever I want, buy whatever I want and use whatever products I want. But that's not the case. What we're telling you is that there actually truly is power for you to Decide what products you're using, what products you're bringing into your home, what products you're exposing your body to. Mm -hmm. And over time, decreasing those exposures will have drastic health impacts. Yes. So when you're saying that plastics specifically and these other chemicals are labeled obesogens, what is that doing internally to you
1: on a hormone level and on a cellular level? Right. So just off of the the, the top list of what obesogens have been tied to is what they – basically what they can affect or cause, includes thyroid disorders, autoimmune conditions, leukemia, ADHD, um, behavioral issues are actually a really big thing that's tied to it in research, asthma, skin issues, brain fog, massive hormone issues, so the fibroids, PMS, um, fertility problems, PCOS, um, and then it's even tied to heart disease and then obviously the whole metabolic Disorders yeah. spectrum, so diabetes, so it's all
0: of the things that either you're suffering from personally or you know somebody who's suffering mm-hmm. from. These are all very statistically significant health issues in our country right now. They're big issues. We're talking about there. There's a large pharmaceutical industry created to help treat these problems with more medications and more chemicals. Right. If we can actually reduce our chance of developing these problems or actually reverse our issues with these problems by decreasing
1: our exposures, mm-hmm. like, why isn't this a bigger conversation? <laughs> and I think anyone that knows about it, that's what we all say, but it's not a bigger conversation because even just changing the laws for getting the chemicals that are being allowed to be put into products – and changing how that is approached and saying you don't just get to put it into a product and then the product is only pulled if someone reports a rash or repro- uh, reports a poor reaction to it. Right, We need to be testing these before they're allowed to be put into right. the products. And again, this is a, um, a big industry Issue because right. they are well aware of the research that's associated with a lot of these chemicals that they're putting in shampoo, that they're putting in your cosmetics, that they're putting in cleaning products, and in now recycled bottle plastic <laughs> yes. clothing that we're wearing right. on our bodies. They're they're very aware of this, and um, just they they um, stand to lose what we would call billions of dollars if it needs to change. So, for example, um, there was a major bill put to Congress in 2016, um, the Toxic Substance Control Act, which had not been updated in over 40 years. Small changes did move through, but it was changed dramatically from what they wanted it to be, which was allowing the EPA to be testing at least 20 chemicals at a time, giving them more control over what can go in and out, um, making them more of authority in this spectrum so we can start to get a handle on it. And the chemical industry spent over 64 million dollars lobbying in Washington against this bill to make it less stringent. Wow. And they succeeded. That's the kind of stuff that just pisses me off. <laughs> yeah. And I and I think when when someone's like, "Oh, you know, maybe you're just making a bigger deal about this than it is." And it's like, "No, if you start looking at this just from an industry aspect, yeah. when you start looking at specific companies and how much money they're putting in, for people to not be aware of this and to not have to change standards, it's actually a pretty big deal, yeah. in I, my opinion, you know. Yeah. I mean, obviously, we care about it. That's why we're talking uh-huh. about it. <laughs> <laughs> and I just care about, I see so many women who um, are struggling to feel well. They're struggling to have a baby. You know, they're they're struggling to be comfortable in their own body. And that that's a heavy weight to be walking around with. And they're shouldering all the blame. They're walking around and saying, this is me, this is my fault, I'm not good enough, I'm not doing this right, and that's why we need to have these bigger conversations because, to me, this is what I talk about with my clients, like, depending on what's going on with your body and using a systems approach, I can start to see, okay, I think these things are actually having an effect on the symptoms that you're having or the fertility issues that you're having, and we need to have this bigger conversation so that way you can take your power back and you can feel amazing and in many cases have a baby. Yeah. And I have and it, that makes me excited and it makes me passionate because that's why that's why I'm going outside my comfort zone <laughs> and doing a podcast. Because women need to know that there's so much that they can do for their health and that there's not just this, this small box of calories. It right. it's so big and
0: yeah, I love that approach, and I think it's so interesting, too, because you are a nutritionist. You went to school to study nutrition. Mm-hmm. Day in, day out, they taught you about food. Mm-hmm. Did they teach you about the chemicals and body products and toxins
1: in the environment and all these things that could be affecting people's no. metabolic balance? No, but um, I think, and that's what drove me, because I would have women sitting in front of me crying and saying, I'm, I'm doing what you're telling me to do. I'm putting a hundred percent effort in, and I, I do not believe when people are sitting in front of me and making effort that they are not doing what they're saying. Right. That I, I I choose to put trust there and not just saying, "Oh, they're not doing the work." No, they're doing the work, and so it makes it made me take a step back and say, "Why isn't this working?" And then more. I experienced it in my own health and wellness journey. Like, why am I having these symptoms? Why, why is the is, perfect meal plan yes, not enough? <laughs> why is the perfect meal plan and not enough? And I no longer give meal plans. I no longer do that. Um, I'm a big proponent of intuitive eating and teaching women to listen to their hunger and fullness cues, teaching them to listen to their intuition and what their body is telling them that it needs to eat um, but no meal plan is going to make you feel well it's not and that's my profession right that's what I was taught like they come to you you give them a meal plan or you tell them their calorie count and they're gonna go away they're gonna do it what they expect to happen will happen and everyone's happy and that's not what would happen and so then that just made me start asking why why isn't you know the math worked. Yeah, they've shifted their food so much from how it
0: previously was. Uh-huh. Why wasn't there a big shift in their health?
1: Right. Why? And they were stuck.
0: As- so, what did you discover? Like, how do you? Where do you go from there if changing the food isn't enough? Like, what are some actionable steps that people can start to think about? And
1: yeah. So the first thing I to quickly go over some of the top. Um, endocrine disruptors that we bring into our home yeah, and then what you can do to remove them. Okay, let's do that. Yeah. So the first big one we've already talked about is the BPA. Mm -hmm. And I tell my clients, look, you don't have to go home open up, you know, your cupboard with your plastic containers in it and chuck them all away and then you don't have anything to bring your food in to work with tomorrow. But you do need to start the slow process of replacing your plastic containers with glass. Phasing it out. Yeah, phase it out one at a time. You don't have to um, just throw everything away and start fresh. The other big thing I always emphasize is if you are using plastic containers, do not let them get warm. Do not put them in the microwave. This definitely causes the chemical structure of the plastic to change, it makes the the molecule of the plastic be able to transfer into the food and then you are eating plastic i would add to that too don't let them get scratched
0: yes if they're scratched or broken that would be cause for me to get rid of them
1: yes. discard them so when you go home and look at your plastic containers start there. Don't keep using the ones that are scratched because Bria's brought up a great point. Like, you're gonna get more exposure if there is a crack in it because it means it's breaking down. Yeah. And then it's more leaching, essentially, of the BPA. Right. So, that's step one. Um, Another big exposure that um, most women have is from what's called phthalates. You can flip your labels, it will be called this, Um, but this you're still going to find in Tupperware, you're still going to find in plastic containers. It's also in makeup as well? Yes, it's big in makeup and beauty products. So your shampoo, your conditioners, your makeup, your hair gels, nail polish. Um, This is actually a really big category. And so I typically always tell people to start with these two, the BPA and the phthalates. If you're starting with those, you're making good progress. Good. Um, The next one is what's abbreviated PFOA, and basically this is what Teflon is. Okay. And so if you can slowly start phasing out your Teflon pans. Yes, Teflon pans were huge for us because they're easy to clean. They're so easy to clean. And it was a
0: conversation between Ben and I that – we don't want to have more work cleaning the dishes at the end of a long day Uh but then again do you also want to take the risk of getting brain cancer and alzheimer's and all these other issues from the teflon exposure and same thing when it gets heated or it gets scratched and these are pans that you're putting over fire and using spatulas and things that are (laughs) scratching them yeah right yeah it
1: is the the connection of all these things again you're creating a, a big exposure altogether, yeah. right? You're cooking your food right. on the Teflon pan with a plastic spatula that, if it's cracked, can be putting plastic into the food, yeah. and then you put it in a plastic container, and then you heat it in the microwave, and then you eat it. And I, <laughs> That is a huge exposure, and then you wonder exposure. why you have
0: a migraine the next day, yes. or you don't
1: feel well.
0: Yep. You can't really tie it to anything, that these are the things we want to start paying closer
1: attention to. Yes, is okay. Teflon in anything else other than cookware? That is the the only one that I'm aware of. Okay, it might it is in some food packaging, I believe. Oh, geez. Yeah, but I don't know off the top of my okay. head what food packaging it's in. But I always just I might have to look into pains. that if I yeah. find anything, guys. I'll put that in the show <laughs> notes for you. <laughs> yeah, I do know it. It is supposed to be in food packaging, but I'm not sure what. Okay, so. Um, so those are big ones. And then herbicides and pesticides yeah. are actually another really big one. Huge. It's a huge exposure. And um, how I keep it simple is you want to look at what's called the dirty dozen. So the Environmental Working Group did all the hard work yeah, for you. Yeah, that's a great resource. And said, what are the top ones that are going to really trip people up as far as, you know, herbicide and pesticide exposure? Mm-hmm. And um, I encourage you to go download that list and just start, look at it. What do you buy consistently from that so that you're aware, like they do retests and they re-look at, you know, what are the highest ones? Um but this is a simple way to start decreasing that exposure so you're not having to buy everything organic because organic is a, is basically ensuring that you're getting reduced load of pesticides right. and herbicides. And pesticides and herbicides
0: are meant to kill bugs on plants to keep the the plant healthy and yet they claim they're safe to us because they don't affect us but what you have to realize is they're killing the bugs within us yes they're affecting our microbiome which is affecting our hormone balance which is affecting our overall health um ewg the environmental workers group i think it's Mm ewg.org and then typically they have a big banner at the top of the site that says dirty dozen and you can download it they provide you a list with dirty dozen which are the top 12 highly sprayed crops that you should always buy organic if possible and if available to you and then they also do a clean 15 mm-hmm. and those are the crops that you have the least risk of exposure because of the way they're grown and I think it's usually like citrus and things like that yeah. or things, things that, with that have outer peels yeah. that you can remove and that's a list of produce that you can feel comfortable not buying organic to save a little money and that way you have a little bit more money to spend on the certain
1: items you want that need Mm -hmm. to be organic. It's a great resource, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, so that's a simple way to get started with that. And then really quickly, I already mentioned the high fructose corn syrup being one. And then the other one I do want to mention by name is called Dioxins. I do have a full list of all 20 obesogens on our website. So if you want to know what all of them are, (laughs) you can do that. If you really like overwhelming yourself. Yes, (laughs) but I've learned that most people don't like to talk chemistry. (laughs) And with, with this conversation, it's about making meaningful impact and changes that are going to affect you. So obviously the high fructose corn syrup Start flipping your food packages. Yeah. Ideally, buy less food in packages. Right. I mean, that's a big place to yeah. start. But even if that's not where you're at right now, start flipping the labels and reading. Is it in there? Because this is a big exposure. Um, but with the, the dioxins, I'm actually... Re- this is like one of the first places I start with a lot of women because dioxins are what can be found in feminine hygiene products. Interesting. So, yeah. So... Um, We get a high exposure with using tampons and pads of dioxins. And so something that's helping us with, you know, like our cycle and supposedly (laughs) our hormones, we're actually hijacking by exposing ourselves to... Is that the same for organic tampons? No. So that is why I typically, I'm like, if you want a big win right away because we... Use these things monthly, and it's a simple switch for most people to make. Mm-hmm. Start buying your pads and your tampons organic. In organic, tampons and pads are way more accessible than
0: they've ever been. I ever saw them been. on the shelves at Target. Uh huh. Like before, you had to go to a specialty store to buy them. You can get them on Thrive Market now, I think, as mm-hmm. well. And places like Target, I know the larger companies like Tampax and things like that, those companies also have organic lines. Do you trust those, or do you go for, like, the smaller companies when you're looking for organic? That's kind of smaller. a loaded question. I do
1: not I, The honest moment. I, I've read enough about the lobbying, because there was a bill put before Congress about um, female hygiene products and the fact that they need to be labeled and they're being associated with the increased rise of endocrine cancers and – um, making people aware of that. And I know that some of the larger companies lobbied against this bill. Yeah. And so f- for me, like how my my values work, like when I find that a company is deliberately trying to keep the status quo about information that they are well aware of, they, they know that this issue exists. Right. <laughs> and yet they still continue, continue to sell the product. Yeah,
0: from my perspective it's almost as if they're just trying to get a piece of the organic profit. Yes. The thing that drives me crazy when I see a big company like Tampax just comes to the top of my head. Yep. Um, the same company will have two boxes on the shelf. One is organic, one's not. Mm-hmm. One's a few dollars cheaper. They're hoping you'll just buy either or depending on what your morals are. Yes. But on a deeper level, I always question... If you can make an organic product and make it available to the customer, why not put all of your money and processing into making all of your products organic and making that transition? If If you're doing it for the health and the sustainability and the environmental aspects of it, like you were saying, in other words, why not change the processing of all of your products? And I totally agree. Exactly. So if I see a smaller company that has the product available for a similar price and Uh it's available to me at that time, I buy it. If I'm on the road and I'm in a pinch and that's the only thing available to me, I will buy that bigger brand, Organic, and if the Organic tampon's not available, I honestly don't buy it. I
1: know. And I don't don't use it. I don't, yeah.
0: I would rather not use anything Mm -hmm. that can cause a large exposure because the mucosa of our, our vaginal tissue is highly absorbable and that's a huge
1: exposure for a lot of people. Yes. Couldn't have said it better. That's exactly <laughs> Sorry, what I tell I went people. on a little rant there. No, but I do think it's key. Like if that's what's available to you, then do please buy the bigger brand yeah. organic because that's what's available to you. Yeah. But um, it's a big exposure for women. so that's a an important place to start um, after the plastics in your kitchen. <laughs> you don't I honestly, have to do all the things at I once would,
0: I would do the tampons first if you're a woman and you're listening or even if you're a man and you're listening start mm-hmm. that conversation and I think that right there is a simple change if you're a change. man and
1: you're listening go to the store buy <laughs> your significant other a surprise
0: <laughs> gift put a bow on it <laughs> yes yes
1: exactly um, and then the, the next one I typically do then is depending on the type of complaints that they're having whether or not it's say like migraines um, migraines, I'm going to steer them more towards starting to look at their cleaning products and kind of taking that into consideration because that can be a big trigger for migraines. cuz it's in the air. Because yeah. it's in the air. Um, you're breathing it in and it can, it can, um, and artificial, um, uh, fragrances mm-hmm. is another big Perfume, one. Perfume, body spray. body spray. Yeah. Um, which... It can feel overwhelming, but if you just have to start with your one thing. So if you're having more along the lines of skin rashes or hormone disruption, um, I tell people then you need to put makeup on maybe your higher category Makeups, list. lotions, body yeah, washes. Because you're putting it on your skin, you're absorbing it, Yeah, um, and that's a big exposure. Skin
0: absorption, I don't understand why it's not... There's not more awareness around it because in the medical field, in the hospital, we prescribe medications that are absorbed through a Mm -hmm. skin patch, a very small skin patch that's barely a half an inch to an inch at the largest. Mm -hmm. You put it on your arm, you put it on your back, it absorbs very quickly Uh through your skin to provide relief. We do it for people having heart attacks and chest pain with nitroglycerin and within minutes they have relief. Mm -hmm. Why aren't we talking about that with the lotions and things that we're rubbing into our entire body? I know. Think about that exposure.
1: And people say it doesn't matter. And that's what's scary. It's funny because the first awareness that I had that what you're putting on your skin impacts you to a deep level was I was working with a client that had celiac disease, and she was extremely flared. She couldn't figure out where her exposure was coming from. And um, I was telling her, well... Have you checked your makeup, um, like what you're putting on your skin? If it contains wheat, that can, if you're highly, highly sensitive, this can be triggering you. And she went home. She looked at all of her makeup. She had basically all of her products contained some form of wheat in them, yeah. including like like, hydrolyzed wheat yeah, proteins. Yeah, hydrolyzed and wheat things. protein. Yeah, um, because it's supposed to be. I'm making, very much aware of those. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. You would. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And she literally two days later, all of her symptoms had gone away. She had just decided not to wear makeup for two days, see what would happen. And it was it was done. That was it. That's powerful. And it's powerful. And then yet when you go to celiac disease, you know, celiacdisease.org, it will say on there, you don't need to worry about the small millimeter exposure that you're getting right. from, you know, the wheat that's in makeup products, etc. and. I completely disagree, and I I have so many stories exactly like that, like hundreds of them of the And the fact of the
0: matter is is you're not just putting it on once. Yes. You're putting it on multiple times a day possibly Mm -hmm. or every day, Mm -hmm. and
1: the overall cumulative effect is exactly what we're talking about with all of this. Yes, and I think that's the big thing. Start with one thing. Start with the tampons or the pads, (laughs) but keep this conversation in mind on the fact that You do want to become aware of everything that's combining together that that can then lead to the triggering of certain symptoms, especially hormone-type symptoms that you can start to be having because it's not, I guarantee you it's not just one thing that's Mm -hmm. causing it and it does make it harder, but um, when you just take it one step at a time um, and you start to see how you feel a little bit lighter with each change right. you know that's a big thing with my clients they're like I thought this wouldn't really do anything but, but it's working but it's working like some people switch out their pads and they're like I'm sleeping better I don't know if it's connected and I'm like no if it's disrupting you on a metabolic level yeah it's gonna be affecting your sleep yeah
0: And And if there's a mental component in it, too,
1: who cares? That's what I always say. If you think it's working and it might actually be working, it's a win. (laughs) Great. Take the placebo and run. That's what I say because it's going to be motivating. And so I I think that's frustrating when people are just like, oh, it's all in their head. And it's like, no, not. But if it is all in their head, so And it's working. Yes, exactly.
0: (laughs) I totally agree. So... I think we are going to wrap this episode up, and we have so much more to talk about. Before we started this episode, we were chatting about plastics and all the things Heather was talking about in the last episode, and we couldn't help but think about the plastic exposure in the daily cup of coffee. (laughs) (laughs) yes
1: you're calling me out on it
0: we were talking about this before yeah it's a huge exposure there's a lot to say about it they're both passionate about it for very different reasons and I think that'll be the next upcoming episodes you guys can look forward to so thank you thanks Jen thanks for being here thanks for having me. this was fun doing these live and in person puts a whole new element to this I love it I can see them we can interact and now we're going to go have fun and swing on the beach I'm excited (laughs) alright thanks guys that was episode 18 and we will be back Heather and Jennifer have so much more to share and as we've mentioned before they are hosting a she day tour And we are going to different cities throughout the year next year in 2019, Los Angeles, Orange County, Nashville, and Chicago. So check out their website, shechangeseverything.com. They're going to dive into information like this on a much deeper level. It's actionable. The community is incredible, and you will want to be there. That's it. We'll see you next week.